Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. The games of the 32nd Olympiad in 2020 are awarded to the city of Tokyo. Canada, Sweden. Russia. It's in. The keeper got a hand to it, but it's gold for Canada. Hello and welcome to the gold medal Olympic edition of the Offside Rule. Women's football at the Tokyo Games started two days prior to the opening ceremony and here we are 16 days later with Sweden and Canada slogging it out for top honours. Along the way we've had shocks, upsets and goals, goals, goals. We've had 101 goals in total this tournament. Uh, the final went all the way to penalties with one of the worst penalty shootouts you will ever see. I'm not being unkind, that's true. It's Canada who are the gold medal winners. And joining me to dissect the match, it's my gold medal winner every day of the week, <laughs> Kate Borsay. Hello, Kate. Hello. I'm feeling silver, but I'm going for gold. <laughs> Why are you feeling silver? <laughs> I'm just, Do you need I'm your just, hair doing? I'm just feeling a bit wary. I've had the cat sat on my lap. I've had my son sitting on my lap. He's now in a mood because he doesn't like Canada. Don't know why. Uh, anyway, things are a bit fraught in the Borsay household today. Oh, wow. Uh, we're also joined by our Brazilian reporter, Tim Stillman. Uh, things didn't go to plan for Brazil in the end, Tim. No, not quite for them. But um, at least they were knocked out by the eventual gold medalists um, yes. in the end. And perhaps fittingly on penalties as well, which seems to have been the theme for the tournament for Canada. And you get your gold medal outing, despite Brazil's <laughs> earlier exit. Yes, indeed. And and I really was a neutral in, in this final as well. I had very much no dog in this fight whatsoever. And <laughs> e- even when watching the penalties, I was kind of confused thinking, what do I actually want to happen here? And I, and I just kind of gave up and thought, I don't know and I don't care. OK, well, we'll get on to that. Let's start by briefly recapping these two teams' routes to the final. <laughs> You're listening to the Offside Rule Olympics edition. Grab yourself an athletic subscription for 33% off by heading to theathletic.com forward slash offside. Twice Olympic bronze medalist Canada started with a draw against host Japan, followed by a win against Chile and another draw against Team GB. With five points, Canada qualified for the quarterfinals as second place in their group. And then in the semis and against all the odds, they defeated the United States thanks to a penalty in the 75th minute. It is all over and Canada can celebrate. They have done it. They've beaten the United States of America. As for silver medalists in Rio, Sweden, they were undefeated in the competition coming into the final. They began their Olympic campaign with three victories against USA, Australia and New Zealand, confirming their spot in the quarterfinals by finishing top of their group. Then they beat host Japan in the quarters before beating Australia in a very tough semi-final match that ended 1-0 thanks to a goal from one of their standout players of the tournament, Rolfa. It's come back off the bar, there's Blackstenius and Rolfa hooks it in. Advantage Sweden! So taking into consideration the routes to the final, did we think, first of all, Tim, that the right teams were in it? 
Probably just about, yes. I, I mean, as much as I think Netherlands were a little bit unlucky in their quarterfinal against the US, um, Canada, I mean, really, this was probably the story of the best attacking team against the best defensive team. And and in that way, it was it was a pretty fitting final, I think. I do think, really, Sweden probably ran too hot too early um, because they weren't great in their semi-final. And you just got the sense that they'd run out of steam a little bit in this final. But Canada, I mean, on, on, in one respect, they didn't score from open play in the knockouts at all. But in the other, I think when you knock USA out, you can't argue with that, really. And they contained um, a brilliant Sweden attack, I, I thought, really, really well. So it, it's been a strange tournament, but I do think that that was probably the, the correct final, yes. And Kate, it felt like Sweden, after that opening match and beating USA in the margin that they did, they gained quite a few neutral followers. Uh, did you think that they were maybe more deserving going into the final before the balls were kicked? That's a tough one, you know, because I've admired Canada, who I would call a bit of a sleeping giant up to this point. And that's not taking anything away from them, but we just didn't didn't quite know what we were going to expect from them. They sort of drew against Team GB and I wondered if they would peter out. But they've been brilliant. And I think one of the standout things for Canada is their mental resilience. They've shown great toughness. You know, even though they were not the best team in the first half. They withheld Sweden and came back when they needed to and took advantage of those moments out of the penalty when they needed to. So I've actually come out really admiring Canada because if they're to give other teams hope of reaching a big final of a major tournament, then they are the team to do that. Sweden have been great from the off. They've been incredibly smooth. It's been great to watch those incredible tie-ups, hasn't it, with Blackstinius there, Rolfer there, Jakobsen as well. It's been really great to watch Sweden, but I've actually come away admiring Canada more. Before we get into the action, a quick word on this final moving, both in terms of time and location. Uh, the match was switched from its 11am local time to 9pm local time after both teams expressed concern about playing in the Japanese heat. There was also a switch in venue from Tokyo to Yokohama. And I'm just wondering what you felt about that, both of you. Do you think it had an effect on either of the teams and how much was it needed, that move? Kate? Um, I think it was needed, really, to be playing in, you know, 32, 34 plus heat would have been silly, particularly when it was possible to be able to change the final. I have to question who set this in place and also the kind of backstory of what it was at this time to satisfy um, American TV viewers, uh, American rights holders. And so therefore, as soon as USA were out of the final, oh, we can we can change it now. That's that's absolutely fine. So there's a bit of kind of a dark story to it I suppose from that perspective um but um I think both teams appreciated it being moved um I think we appreciated not getting up at 3am yep. well. definitely <laughs> it was certainly appreciated this end absolutely um well let's move on to the action then so Canada won all after 90 minutes extra time kicked in still won all at the end of extra time Canada winning 3-2 on penalties this was the first time ever a women's Olympic final went to penalties in the first place. Uh, Worth reminding you both, though, that coming into this, the head-to-head record was significantly weighted in Sweden's favour. They'd won 14 of 23 
meetings with Canada. Uh, they'd also not changed their starting 11 for three consecutive matches. Uh, Bev Priestman, Canada head coach, decided not to change her starting 11 after the quarters and semis either. Uh, so did you think it was quite the matchup and that it would be as tight as it, as it was? I definitely, yeah, I definitely thought so, yes. I think the game was slightly different to how I expected. I kind of expected Sweden to dominate and Canada to sit back and, and try and hit on the counter with the pace they've got over the top, which did happen, I think, to some extent. But at the same time, I thought that this was the most dangerous Canada looked in an attacking sense um, in, in all of the knockout games in the tournament. I thought that they looked just as likely as Sweden to score, actually. They yeah. perhaps didn't Rose quite was incredible, have... Tim. I just, I mean, sorry to interrupt, but I yeah, just, yeah. when we're talking about Canada's, I mean, I mean, she was a revelation for me. I know she's been good, but she was incredible today. Yeah. And it worked really, really well with room being made for her to run down the flank, but also her, she was just in and around everything and it was topped off by her brilliant penalty as well. But yeah, I thought, I thought she was absolutely amazing in this game yeah Red, um, Reading have got a real player there and what was interesting about this game was everything kind of happened out wide because Canada were trying to clog up the middle and giving the wide areas to Sweden which they seemed fairly happy with and then over the top you kind of had Nichelle Prince and Deanna Rose and Janine Becky and players like that kind of really kind of um, flying down the wings over the top so a lot of the game kind of but both teams actually attacked in quite a similar way, which made it quite quite an odd but very absorbing game. First half, we got the indication, didn't we, that Canada would get this space on the ball because Sweden had such a high defensive line. And like you say, Tim, they were really exercising the width of the pitch. That was their outlet ball to go wide. And it did result in the opening goal. So 34 minutes, uh, Blackstenius, who else? Because she's been fantastic this tournament. There was a slight deflection, but the Aslani pass to pick uh, Blackstenius out, it was a lovely move, wasn't it, Kate? Yeah, and actually, uh, Jen O'Neill called this at the end of uh, yesterday's podcast, the podcast after the bronze final match, said that Aslani would be key for Sweden. And she certainly was with this respect as well. Um, her low ball from the right side met by Blackstinius in the middle of the box and then just a low first-time strike to beat the keeper. Bit of a deflection, as you said, but it was a well-worked goal. And those are the goals that we're used to seeing from Sweden. So many of them created from just a lovely pinpoint accurate cross into the goal area and then in the back of the net so this was this was a bit of a textbook Sweden goal for me in this tournament I thought Aslani was um, probably the best player on the pitch with Deanna Rose certainly Sweden's best player and it's quite interesting as well because she hasn't been spoken about much in this tournament because of the likes of Blackstinius Rolfer um, Hannah Glass um, and players like that but I thought she really really stepped up to the mark in this yeah. game particularly with her set piece delivery as well which is such a great weapon for Sweden. Do you remember so her when she was at City Tim? Yes I do very well and, and, she, and she just looked lost didn't she? Yes absolutely lost and she came into the fore during the Women's World Cup 2019 she looked decent but she has progressed so much of it much as a player she's just matured into it really really well I think. Something worth pointing out, um, Blackstinius scored in the final in Rio and got silver yes, that day did. as well. She did, you're right. So is, is yeah. she going to get a complex to him? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be, couldn't it? I mean, that, that's, I guess that's the real shame um, of this final, particularly from a Swedish point of view, because when they won that silver in 2016, they were really the dark horses. Um, but this time, you just felt when they had that big win against the US on the first day and you thought, okay, 
that they've they've really arrived now. They're not dark horses anymore. And then they come into this final as favourites, which which maybe is slightly unusual for them, but that this will feel like such a big missed opportunity for them with the way the tournament panned out. So if the first half was about Sweden and it was about Aslani causing so many issues for Canada, pinning them back, didn't she? Um, there was the team talk at half time and a completely different Canada performance in the second half. They uh, straight away showed their intent. 47 minutes, they had their first effort on target. And then we had this big controversial moment. I say it's controversial because I know we're split, the three of us, on the penalty decision. Tim, I'm going to let you mm. wade in first. <laughs> I so I completely I, I think it's one of those decisions where you can't really complain either way had it been given or not been given personally I would like to see the threshold for penalties be a little bit higher I do think there's just something about getting a 70 to 75 percent chance of a goal from from something like that that slightly troubles me however that's not currently in the rules and that's all the referee can work with I honestly I felt it was a complete coin flip I don't think I would have given it personally but I, I can completely understand why it was given. Where were you on it, Kate? I think so. I think I agreed when I watched the replay. It looks like Sinclair's got to the ball first. It was difficult to judge, but I I actually fully support it because it's what made the game. It kept the game going. Um, and so for pure entertainment purposes, yes, I'll have it. <laughs> Spoken I, like a true neutral. <laughs> I, I definitely agree with that. I thought the game really needed it. Um, it did, actually, it did. And I thought it, it set up a really interesting kind of everything after that was really, really interesting. Um, look, Jesse Fleming, who scored another penalty um, in open play at this Olympics, just so cool under pressure, Tim. Um, she does that thing where she really eyeballs the goalkeeper. It's usually the other way around, but she decides to take them on. Yeah, absolutely. I think it says everything that Christine Sinclair picked the ball up and then promptly gave it yeah, to Jessie Fleming. I think agreed. that says a lot about how she's viewed and, and particularly her temperament. And and that's exactly when you take a penalty, that's exactly how you've, you've got to think I've got the advantage, not the goalkeeper. And you've got to not play the goalkeeper's game. And that is exactly what she did. And she dispatched three really good, really high pressure penalties when it really, really mattered for Canada in this tournament. So Adriana Leon coming on for Janine Becky, Tim, was that a piece of tactical mastery there or was it because of injury? Yeah, I'm not sure. I was very surprised by that. Um, I don't think it really affected Canada. I mean, they made a double change at the break because they also bought on uh, Grosso for Quinn. Grosso, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that that, that I, I, I half expected, but I certainly didn't expect to see Janine Becky come off. Um, and Adriana Leon, obviously a very different type of player, but I do think it worked for Canada a bit. I think it just gave them a slightly more physical presence because they already had that over-the-top presence when they've got um, players like Nichelle Prince running through. And I think it just gave them a slightly different dimension. Mm. Um, so, but So I was surprised at the time, but I do think it worked on reflection. Mm. Fleming's penalty was only the fourth time that Sweden have conceded at this Olympics. They'd scored 13 goals as well going into this final. So it was very much skewed in their favour. But you'd say going into extra time, Tim, that it looked like Sweden were going to be the ones to concede first again. Yeah, I think I think they looked absolutely knackered. I mean, to be fair, both teams did. But I just think with that high line and with the pace that Canada had over the top, I mean, this this game, it kind of swung back and forth a little bit, I think. And I definitely agree. I think kind of late in the 90 minutes and early in extra time, 
I thought Canada looked the most likely just because those Sweden players were so tired. And when you're playing that high up the pitch and you've got to turn round and chase, very, very difficult. But then again, Sweden, you know, had big goal mouth scramble during extra time, had some really threatening set pieces. I, I thought the game was just beautifully poised throughout, to be honest. Two other quick things to mention before we get on to the penalties themselves. Uh, Labe, Kate, um, you have to have a word on this goalkeeper. What an Olympic she's had. Yeah, she's been battered, bruised, challenged. I mean, she's had a great Olympics, hasn't she? She has to go down as the goalkeeper of the tournament and one of the players of the tournament as well. Not actually a player, I must confess, I knew loads and loads about before the tournament. But yeah, um, thoroughly, thoroughly deserves her round of applause. And yeah, I mean, from Canada's point of view, they built from the back as this tournament went on. I think Labe key to that. But um, it was a final ditch effort from Sweden. Literally in the, in the last few seconds, there was the Hertig header. She had a, a free header. It was a very poorly executed one. But that could that could have been it. Sweden could have mm. won it in that moment. Did you feel like that, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I think you could see from Hertig's reaction afterwards, I think she had two headers, um, but that second one, I think she just snatched at it a little bit. I think she knew what was on the line in that moment and maybe just rushed it because she wasn't quite facing the right way. And she just didn't take that half second to, to turn her body. I think it's just one of those that um, you kind of, you see the moment and the headlines maybe, and she just didn't quite readjust her body. But that I mean, that was a free header. That easily could have been it. And Sweden had so many threatening crosses and, and set pieces in this game that you did kind of feel that they might they might score from one of them. I already alluded to the fact it was a very poor penalty shootout um, at the top of the show. Uh, five out of 12 were scored. And just to start things off, as Lani, there was a huge wait. She was doing keepy-uppies whilst waiting to take her penalty. I don't know whether either of you noticed that. It must yep. be so horrible being the first penalty taker, particularly when there's a delay. Christine Sinclair, of course, knows all about that in the penalty shootout for Canada against Brazil. She was first up and she missed too. I, yeah, I did think that there was something in this psychologically, Tim, because it was such a long, long wait and hold. And it is about ma- maintaining that focus. She, I mean, she didn't look phased, but then when she executed the kick, I think you could tell that she wasn't quite right. Yeah, I, I, I felt sorry for her because on one hand, you kind of, you want to get that walk over quickly and you just want to take the penalty. But I think what happened was the referee hadn't finished talking to the two goalkeepers and that was the delay. And I think she just kind of got up there quite quickly, as you, as you would, and had to wait for that conversation to happen. And I think she didn't want to just stand there and stare and so kept herself entertained with some keepy-uppies. But yeah, I, I think if she could go back, because, you know, I think when you hit the woodwork as well, there, there's a real degree of bad luck um, in a penalty when, you, when you're that close. I think if she could go back, maybe she'd just take that walk a little bit more slowly. Um, and and steady herself and wait for that conversation to be over. So there was Zlani who hit the post. We also had uh, the woodwork hit by Gill as well. Um, we had Sega, the captain, skying her kick. Rose, probably, who you pointed out, Kate, as, as oh, one of the shining stars. Oh, what a great stars. penalty. Probably the best penalty, wasn't it, of the lot? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Um, just some, just, I, I mean, it was like the good, the bad and the ugly, wasn't it? This, uh, penalty shootout. It was just like, come yeah. on, please finish this because it was getting quite painful, wasn't it, Tim, by that point? As exciting as penalty shootouts are, this one, I was just like, please, someone. 
Yeah, and I really, I, I, I was so ready when Caroline Sager stepped up and that would have been such a great story yes, for her yes. to put away the kind of gold medal winning penalty. My, my favourite stat from this game, 525 caps between the two captains, Sager wow. and Sinclair. And, and when she stepped up, you just thought, oh, wow, this, this is going to put the perfect coda on the tournament for Sweden to win the gold that way. And for her to sky it, just oh, I, I mean, awful. I really didn't expect it at all. 525 caps between them, but then it came down to a 20-year-old, Julia Grosso, with the winning penalty. Yeah, and there's I know there's a lot of data that suggests young players um, fare much better in penalty shootouts because they're, they're kind of less scarred by them. Um, and I, I think that was certainly the case in this shootout. Yes, it really. was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, interesting. But yeah, lo- lovely kick, particularly with that much pressure riding on it. A penalty shootout that included four saves then, um, but it was Canada crowned Olympic champions. Sweden taking away silver again, like they did in Rio, USA with bronze. And up next, we're going to have a look back on the tournament. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Offside Rule Olympics edition from The Athletic. Keep up to date with all our women's football content by following us at Offside Rule Pod and at The Athletic UK. Well, let's talk about the tournament overall then. Uh, We'll use a few categories to help guide us through, starting with the tournament of goals. I know, Kate, that you covered this uh, stat that Rich Laverty had put out about how many games had had six or more goals in them, uh, the total being eight, which was incredible. And also, just looking at the 101 that we tallied up uh, for this tournament, 26 games, 101 goals. That is by far the most goals in any Olympic women's football tournament. 2016, there were 66, 71 in 2012, which was the second highest. Uh, Lowest was back in 2000, just 41 goals. Any favourite goals for either of you? I've actually, because my short-term memory is completely all over the place at the moment, I did enjoy 
Megan Rapinoe's Olympico yesterday, just 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 because for this bronze medal match, just because we'd waited so long for USA to turn up, and she finally did. Um, that lovely um, corner kick and a goal scored straight from that. I particularly enjoyed that one. Um, but there were loads to choose from. When I really start to kind of drill down and think about it, Tim, you've probably got um, got a couple of good contenders from Brazil there. And they, well, yeah, I, actually, I, I was I was going to say Pino as well, but not the um, not the goal Olympico, the volley that I really liked. So I've just got a, a soft yes. spot for a really sweetly yeah. struck volley, yeah. and I thought it was a, a terrific uh, kind of drive into the top corner. I I really enjoyed, I think, Vivian Miedema's uh, second goal against the USA as well from outside the area, particularly at a time where it looked like the game was getting away from Netherlands, and once again she pulls something out of nothing. Yeah. So. Maybe a bit of my Arsenal bias showing there as well a little bit, but that was a goal I really enjoyed as well. I have to say, for a team goal and for the moment as well in that quarterfinal against Team GB, I'd say Australia's counter-attacking move. I thought it was a brilliantly executed move, finished off by Sam Kerr, who's also had a brilliant tournament. So um, I might put one from Australia in there um, for boot and good measure. Uh, Player of the tournament then. We've already mentioned the fact that Rose had a brilliant time. We've spoken about Rolfer. You know, there's so many players, but can we single out one? Tim, if you were having to do that, who would you pick? Um, I'm going to give you a boring answer, but the reason it's a boring answer is because it's the right answer, and I'm going to say Vivian Miedema, um, <laughs> with absolutely no Arsenal bias whatsoever. Ten goals in the tournament. <laughs> yeah. There were the, the record prior to this tournament was six goals, and she scored ten. She didn't even play the entire group stage. I think one of my... We have to thank take... Zambia for that as well, though, Tim, right? Well, yeah, yeah, but she got two against Brazil, two against the USA. Yeah, I think one of my takeaways from this tournament is, you know, we've seen goals from the likes of Sinclair, Marta, Rapino, Carly Lloyd, you know, a lot of the kind of names we're very familiar with and the, the old-timers, as it were. But for me, one of my takeaways from this tournament is that Vivian Miedema is out on her own as the best player in the world. And I think she showed that in this tournament. I have loved watching Barbara Banda. I was sorry to see... Uh, her go out of the tournament. Um, two hat-tricks, the first player ever to score two hat-tricks in an Olympic women's football tournament. And she just completely brightened up Zambia for me. I was worried that they were going to get completely trounced. And OK, they did to a certain point. But to get three goals against the Netherlands and and then to come close against China, and that was a really entertaining game, by the way, uh, at that group stage. Um, but yeah, Barbara Bander, just because it's someone who we didn't know too much about before and she's now firmly implanted in our brains. See, because both of you have gone for goal scorers, which I think always happens. When you say player of the tournament, you always go for goals. So I'm going to be contrary because I think this tournament, as well as the goals, it's also been about brilliant defences. And we've seen that in this final. It was very cagey for a time. And I think the reason that Sweden and Canada got to this gold medal match was because of how good their defences were. And I'm really disappointed that she skied that penalty because as captain, I thought Sager for for Sweden was fantastic. Um, Ashley Lawrence as well. And means, Ashley, yes. I mean, know, she was she was brilliant as well. There were some really masterful moments from her in this tournament. I think there's a choice for, from either Canada or Sweden there defensively for player of the tournament. I'm just going to put that in. Um, golden boot, where we do come on to the numbers and um, who's hit the back of the net the most times. Uh, Miedemar did finish top scorer, uh, just to confirm for everyone. Her 10 goals 
did gift her the golden boot. But we had Sam Kerr, Barbara Brander and Ellen White, um, second top scorers, each with six goals, which was fantastic Um, and a brilliant outcome. And considering that Team GB went out as early as they did... Not to mention Zambia. You know, for Barbara Banda and Ellen White to be in there is uh, is some feat, Tim. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I I think this was a tournament that was that was really. I, I mean, I think you're quite right that Sweden and Canada, kind of with the best defenses, uh, get there, and and the team who who really showed the best defense throughout the tournament, Canada coming away with the gold, but so many great attacking performances and. You know, like I said, the record prior to this tournament for an Olympics was six goals. And we've got three players who managed to do that and one who managed to score more. So I think that shows you the the calibre of attack um, that was on display in this tournament. I wonder if anyone's going to disagree that the bronze medal match was the game of the tournament just for its (laughs) craziness. And uh, the one that I miss, Kate... Yes, it was absolutely... Well, it was just great to see USA turn up, as I said earlier, and it was a really entertaining game. It was everything that we'd been missing from USA so far. But the Brazil-Australia game I've got as good, and you know, also I have really enjoyed watching watching Sweden as well. I think Australia have been involved in, in quite a few good games, yeah, that, that game against GB um as well i i think personally my game of the tournament was the the 2-2 draw between netherlands and usa the repeat of the 2019 world cup final i just thought that that was you know two really really good teams kind of trading blows and going at it and a draw was probably probably fair in the end although maybe netherlands were a bit unlucky but that that i think was possibly the highest quality game of the tournament what was your moment of the tournament for me, it's about Quinn, the first openly trans non-binary athlete to win an Olympic medal. Plays for Canada and after they came out as transgender in late 2020, I just think it's it is a wonderful story to have associated with this Olympics. Yeah, I, I think um, you've kind of got to give Canada the moment of the tournament. I, I think there's two things really for me. I mean, them beating the USA in the semi-final was such a huge result for them, having not done it for so long. But I also think Christine Sinclair coming away from this tournament with a gold medal is just, with the exception of our Swedish listeners, is is probably something that everyone can get on board with. And an, an absolute legend of the women's game, uh, almost certainly at her last Olympics. I mean, for me, that that. Feels like um, that feels like the headline of the tournament, really, for me. And you can see in both both games, both the most recent games for for Canada, you can see how spent she is when she walks off the pitch. Without any disrespect, she sort of hobbles off. <laughs> she sort of you can see how she puts. She's literally given everything, everything on the pitch, and and I admire that so much. That ties into one of my moments of the tournament, which was the opening match round where we had so many games that we were trying to keep across on numerous different laptops and screens and I could not believe you know Sinclair and Marta both scoring on that opening match day um I think that said it all and made the statement about just how good some of these players have been for so long Mm. um but also because I am being a contrary again but I, I like to look at the smaller nations and often we talk about the gulf don't we between the the smaller and Entrance into these tournaments compared to with with your likes of USA or your Canada's um, and Sweden's, and I didn't think that golf was huge this time. And I thought that Zambia beating China was a real moment of the games. 
Yeah, I think so. And it was the way that it was executed as well, Lindsay. As I said, it was when Barbara Bander got her hat trick, but it literally tic tac toed. Well, actually, Zambia were 3 1 down, I think, at one point. And then they came back to recover that and it tic tacked a little bit as well. So it was, it was a really entertaining game. Perhaps not for the amazing football on display, because of course, there were reasons why it kept being a bit all over the place, but it was thoroughly entertaining. And of course, we always want to hear from our listeners as well. So we'd love to hear what you thought were the moments of the tournament. Um, anything else that stood out for you at Offside Rule Pod, you can get in touch with us. Um, we have a sweepstake winner at the very, very beginning. Um, yes! It felt like a fix. <laughs> it wasn't you, the listener. We gave you some teams. It wasn't you. It definitely wasn't me. I got Zambia and New Zealand. But it was our very own Kate Borsay, who managed to pick Canada. And I, I tell you what, I never thought that I would win this. So, you know, thank you from the bottom of my heart to everyone who believed in me. Thank you to producer Abby for picking me out of the hat. And I will take this as one of the highlights of my career. Great. A lovely acceptance speech there. <laughs> Tim, thank you so much for your time. I, what Would you make any... Predictions for the next Olympics. Who do you think will uh, will be up there next time? I, the thing is, I don't know, and that's that's what's um, really interesting. Australia seem to be coming on. That Netherlands team is mm. still at quite a good age. I think we can see maybe a big, the beginning of a meeting in the middle between some of those big European teams in the USA um, as well. I think I'd have Australia as a team to watch, maybe for the for the next World Cup as well, which they're hosting. I just think they grew into this tournament. And that team is going to be, I think, largely still together for the next couple of tournaments as well. Can we get a quick Team GB takeaway from you, Tim? Because we've not spoken to you about them. And of course, we'll be, you know, all eyes on the Euros next year. Yeah, I I thought tricky tournament for them, really. I I think overall, from a Lionesses and Team GB um, point of view, I think uh, Hagerisa, perhaps for an interim, tried to do too much, tried to rip up. Um, too much and when really I think with an interim you kind of need to keep things ticking over I think the decision to leave Alex Greenwood and Jordan Nobbs at home has to be questioned um, really they were they were pretty reliant on Ellen White for goals in this um, and going forward for the Lionesses they, they've kind of got to look at that midfield because they're not going to have Caroline Weir and Kim Little anymore but the, the positive takeaway is that midfield how much better they looked with Kim Little and Caroline Weir in there and and actually how nice it was to see those players and Sophie Ingle as well yeah, um, really kind of contribute to to a Team GB. And, and I'd love to see it more often. I really would. One thing we do know is that the reset button has been pressed. It won't be Hegarisa, I'm sure, for the next Olympics. We don't know who the head coach will be for that one. Um, so, yeah, I think the jury is out as to how Team GB will get on again in the future. Uh, that is and a wrap. They do it, Linz, as well. Quickly, sorry to butt in, but there's no guarantee that we're going to have a Team GB at the next Olympics, is there? No, exactly. Uh, it's been quite the fight to get them at this one. But uh, I think we've shown what we can achieve. And, and I also thought that they all played together brilliantly, actually. It, there was, it felt like there was a common goal for Team GB to try and win something. So um, maybe they will collectively get together once again. Uh, that's a wrap then on Tokyo 2020 or 2021, as it maybe should be called. Uh, thank you to everyone who's contributed to Alicia Ferguson, Flo Lloyd Hughes, and most of all to you for listening to us. A reminder that you can get a third off 
The Athletic right now by heading to theathletic.com forward slash offside. That's the code that you'll need to be able to get that. Uh, We'll be back in the new season with The Athletic's women's football show, which will be on this feed. So make sure that you're subscribed to this channel. Really, really important you do that. And the opening WSL weekend, we'll see three fixtures played at Premier League stadiums. That's Arsenal versus Chelsea, Spurs versus Birmingham and Brighton against West Ham. That's fantastic news for everyone. Until then, goodbye. You've been listening to the Offside Rule Olympics edition, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Offside Rule by going to at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers at theathletic.com forward slash offside. The Offside Rule Olympics edition is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.